Welcome one and all to It Builds Character, a improvised character building podcast. Uh, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of creativity. Uh, I'm John. I'll be the host as usual, and I've got two fantastic guests with me. The first is a voice, if you're a regular listener, you should recognize. I'm Tom. I play Lycos 9 on the Die by the Dice podcast. Thanks for joining us, Tom. It's been tricky trying to fit everyone, all my regular group players and friends into the rotation. I'm f- glad we could finally pin you down for a Thursday afternoon. Doesn't help that I usually play video games Thursday night with friends. Well, I appreciate you making some time to join us on this one. I think as soon as I saw this with the some of the ones we're locking in, I'm like, this is going to be a good one to have Tom on. So I'm glad we've been able to get you here. Which makes me really curious what you think is really good for me. Well, I know some of your uh, enthusiasms, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, All right. uh, we got to get to our other, our other special guest. Uh, joining us on the podcast for the first time. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm a listener of the Die by the Dice podcast. I'm also a player of tabletop RPGs, although I haven't played in quite some time. My D&D experience goes back all the way to second edition, so this will be very fun for me. Fun fact, Chris is also the new husband of Jesse, who plays Noemi Dimash in the Die by the Dice podcast. This is also true, yes. I'm very, very happy about that. It's a family thing. So if you're not familiar with 5th edition, that's not a problem. Um, we've got two fairly well-entrenched rules folks we fight enough about it we better be <laughs> yeah uh, this is more of a kind of creativity thing uh, yeah, so if you're not like you don't know every feat by heart not a problem you're welcome at this table outstanding so we've got a bunch of great suggestions this week what i've been doing is taking a few suggestions from the current week of suggestions from people and once i've gotten one out of everyone who suggested i'll go back into the archives a little bit and roll some dice so we make sure that those aren't just sitting in the vault collecting dust so we got some from the archives, some from this week, and I want to give a big thank you to Matt at Roguish Tambeck on Twitter, who submitted a few of these, and BlizzardMain at BlizzardMain1 on Twitter, who submitted the rest. So our first character trait is, this character is a great old one warlock who knows what they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you familiar with warlocks, Chris? Uh, a little bit. I know they derive their power from um, an outside source, and it's often a demon, but it can also be like one of the great old ones. There's three basic packs, Archfey, Demons, and Infernal, and then Great Old Ones. And do they traditionally not know where which one is their patron? Or It, uh, it really varies Warlock to Warlock. Okay. Yeah. So th- this is a guy who's like getting his powers from a Lovecraftian super monster and, and is absolutely on board with that. More or less, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. The second is, is this character walks with John Wayne's gait. <laughs> <laughs> like Nathan Lane in the birdcage. <laughs> I'm immediately flashing back to that. All right. The third trait for this character is they worked as a miner or laborer before going, becoming an adventurer. Uh, so they might have a transferable skill or physique going to be fitting that manual labor background. All right. So are we locked into these or are these just some of the suggestions we've been thrown? So if it's a mechanical thing like the warlock, we're kind of locked into it. All right. Because it's going to be hard to play a warlock who's not a warlock. Um, yeah, we could get creative. We, we could. It'd be interesting. And we haven't really multiclassed, but because we build these characters at level three, which is where you get to choose your kind of character path on your progression, you get a few more meaningful decisions at three that you don't quite get if you multiclass. Because uh, one and two are usually kind of just you you just get stuff. That's not to say we couldn't multiclass. It just would be... A different decision instead of the one we've been making so far. All right. The fourth trait is pretty unique amongst D&D adventurers in that this character is frightened of bandits. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, all right. So we got to figure out why they're frightened of bandits and sort of what, what mechanically that might mean if uh, they should encounter some bandits. 
Uh, our fifth trait is this character tries to barter with merchants by using games of chance or thumb wrestling or other tiny challenges. And our final trait is this character is an archaeologist that is trying to find a lost city or treasure or temple. Okay, I think that could really tie in with the was a laborer like worked in the mines. I think we can have some fun with that. It could also tie in with the, the whole Great Old One scenario. I, I've yeah. already got a bunch of stuff that links these together. Yeah. So those are our six character traits. Uh, so, Tom, you said you had some potential linkages. What are you thinking? Okay, well, the hilariously, I think the John Wayne's Gate and the Warlock aspect actually go together really well because the Warlock is a Charisma Caster class. So you already have someone that's going to be kind of very charismatic and probably kind of cocky. So that kind of gives him that, like, swagger. Uh, and as for, I, I thought of less like a minor, but if you're going with the labor and the warlock, I was thinking like a dock hand. And then you could tie that into the fear of bandits and say maybe when they were a kid, uh, like their family got wiped out by bandits. And he was so afraid, or they, we haven't decided on anything yet, were so afraid of bandits, they stayed to coastal villages because they didn't tend to get rid of bandits. Pirates, yes, but not bandits. Technical difference. <laughs> You don't just consider pirates ocean bandits? <laughs> I'm the thinking bandits of the sea. The bandits of the sea. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. Uh, the technical difference for them uh, is to how they became a laborer. Uh, but it has also put them in uh, contact with like the great old one cults, which frequently tend to be a little bit more fishy. That's true. Um, but that also puts them in, in contact with pirates, treasure hunters that are sailing the seas looking for lost treasures, lost civilizations, sunk ships. And it started to kind of uh, fill his head with... Um, with these stories or they've been wanting to kind of get out there and find some of the treasure. Okay. So I had, um, sort of an alternative take here. I have to, I have to double check real quick with a warlock. Is this somebody who decided to start worshiping the old ones and then they got powers or did they like wake up one morning and they had powers and then they later discovered they, they typically, they typically make a pact. They make a pact. So yeah. this is something he sought out and then, or was offered and he agreed. Okay. Okay. So my, my, in uh, my first, thought off the top of my head was that this fellow or that they started off as like a minor and was really low on the social totem pole basically one step above a slave or maybe they were a slave and uh, just you know breaking their back day and night um then one day like bandits attacked and the the company that and employed them like didn't even try to protect them they just let a whole bunch of his fellow slaves get killed and he's pretty bitter about that as if life as a slave wasn't bad enough and then um one day they're they're excavating and they un they uncover this ancient temple where they learn about this old beast that grants power to the downtrodden or whatever and they made a pact and now they're they're sort of like a like a che guevara type guy they're like trying to trying to rally the workers and uh, overthrow their masters maybe he's got a real hate on for like the privileged or the wealthy classes still has kind of like a fear of bandits from that that early experience which scarred him uh this would also tie in with the john wayne walk because he's become a cult leader kind of um so he's got like a stage persona now as he's going around trying to rally people and he's got a lot of swagger all right, so just remember, we try to use they for the... Yeah, I, I, I'm, I think I'm, I'm working like he, on it. 
Though I, I think he and I both keep slipping into referring to this character as a he, so it might be where we're leaning. Okay. I, I am kind of leaning that way. Um, I'm sort of like, in, in my head, I'm sort of seeing the uh, the villain from Pete's Dragon, actually. Do you remember him, the snake oil salesman? I don't. It's been a long time since I've seen he, sh- he shows up in a town, and he's got this big song, and he's got a beard and a mustache, and he looks kind of diabolic, and he's got a top hat and a big fancy coat, and he's got a whole song and dance, and he gets the people eating out of the palm of his hand. But okay. he's, he's really just a just a flim flam man you know if you're both sort of seeing this character as male then we can certainly kind of lock that in early where are you leading uh i i try to stay a little open i don't really have a a heavy picture on that so far i do like the idea that the mine led into some kind of ancient abandoned temple i think that's a pretty cool hook um maybe they were going down there like the the mines were like some kind of mining town or something rural but uh industrial and maybe just plagued by bandits. Perhaps there was a, a tragedy early in life where uh, bandits re- resulted in the death of a loved one or something like that. Maybe his parents were killed by bandits and that's how he ended up, or they ended up being a slave in the mines because there was no one else to take care of them. So Yeah, you got to earn your bread. and Yeah, or the bandits sold him. Or the bandits kidnapped and sold him. I like that. Yeah. And in the, the mine, wherever they're mining at, there's still like, bandit raids occasionally so it's still like an ongoing fear it's not something that's like oh that's from my childhood it's like no this is still a very real part of life and i like that the mine isn't like sufficiently protected like in the uh, case of the mine owners it might be easier to or more cost effective to just hire new workers or buy new slaves to work yeah. in the mine than to actually staff guards to protect them exactly they don't care about their their slaves so i was kind of thinking as he was describing the mine thing maybe to add an element of tragedy as opposed to them fully breaking in, maybe they started to find the passage, and then maybe during a mine attack, they something else broke up and the mine flooded. And so then he, like everyone else got drowned, but he was shoved into that area that found the temple, and that's where he found salvation, the ability to kind of get out, and what kind of further drives the hatred, dislike of bandits. You're kind of like, I need to save everyone, because like, it was the unsafe working conditions. We couldn't get out of that place. You know, We've been warning them, like this one passage was constantly freaking leaking. Oh, I, li- I like that a lot because that also explains how he got out of that initial situation mm-hmm. and then would embark on his, his new career as a as a rabble rouser and a revolutionary type guy or person. Yeah, I think that's cool. And that also, I think if we're going to go you know, elder gods, outsiders and things like that, that kind of secret buried temple, maybe from Forgotten Age, it was, you know, built eons ago and covered up by, you know, millennia of dirt and other things. Sediment. Sediment. Slime. Rock, yeah. And suddenly the miners got a little, they dug too deep, too yes. greedily. <laughs> too deep and too greedily. Uh, and boom, crazy creature temple. Oh, and, and I like the idea that as they got closer, people started having like weird dreams and nightmares. Uh, they People occasionally thought they heard like voices whispering to them in the mines and it freaked people out. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like, I like that idea a lot. So that could also hook into their their cause for adventure uh, their patron might be and I, I think that their patron's wishes are kind of abstract and like they only can because you know they're an alien old one so they get kind of like glimpses or feelings of what they are intended to be doing as their patron requests mm-hmm. but they're not you know sure it's not like you know you're talking to Archfey who's like go exactly to this mountain on the summer solstice and hold up a silver chalice to make them happen this one, it's I, like you get pictures of my, like my experience with Archfey patrons had very little information given to me about what I was supposed to be doing, John. Well, 
you know, in parti- <laughs> the particulars don't always line up. But I'm just saying that the old one might not have the capability where a Fey yeah, yeah, yeah. could. I, I, li- I like this idea that he is not exactly sure what his patron wants, so he's just interpreting it as best he can. And in his mind, he's thinking, oh, they're going to give me power. I'm going to recruit followers. And we're going to form this army and blah, 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 which may not have anything to do with what his patron actually wants. So there could be an unpleasant left turn coming up for this guy at some point in the future. Well, and maybe that could feed into why this particular person is looking for like treasure and that he's specifically trying to find other temples like this. And so he's going to like, he's specifically trying to seek out these like archeological sites, these lost places. Cause that's, you know, buried deep in the earth. I'm, I'm looking for these things. And sometimes he just stumbles on other treasure while he's trying to find this stuff. I like that. Or what if there, his patron, like one of the few clear things he's gotten from his patron is that his patron's been locked away and there are warding rooms that, that if they're too. reassembled yeah, yeah. and gathered together will open the gate and let him through. Or maybe that that's, that's what's actually going on, but the character just sees like a, a crazy rune that doesn't make any sense to him and then like a, some sort of half-buried temple and then maybe like a split tree and then like a purplish color. Also, okay. All right. yeah. especially if he's trying to be like a man of the people, uh, if we're going to tap into some of the uh, Lovecraftian mythos, there was a lot of gold association, especially with like Dagon. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I think I told you guys a little bit in my game on this, but like that some of the visions could have like gold present in them. And so he, part of his motivation might be even Robin Hood like that he's using, yeah. he wants to pull it to fund and like help help people or at the very least he uses that as a hook to help to drag other people along with him in, in my head i'm seeing it more as like a hook like he 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 does kind of care about the people but he's also really in it for himself he sees it as yeah, a, yeah. as a way to amass wealth and power i mean he's setting up a he's new a, he's a cult leader yeah he's setting up <laughs> a new society with himself on top and he's he's very I, conscious of that as as the favored servant of the old one. I'm also seeing him very like generally disheveled and wet a lot of the time. Like even inexplicably so. Really? Cuz I'm I'm seeing him as very slick, like with a with a waxed mustache and very elaborate like rich elaborate clothes. So I want to actually figure something out a little earlier than we usually do. What do we think we should have this character's alignment be? Um because I think that's going to really sort of shape how the rest of this character pans out because neutral or evil. I'm think I'm think is neutral evil still a thing? Yes, okay. all, all the nine alignments are the same thing. I'm kind of seeing neutral evil, like definitely not chaotic. I don't know if he's got quite enough discipline to qualify as lawful, but he's definitely a bad guy. He's a shady guy. Yeah, because I think the problem with chaos for someone like this is that, like, the creation of this kind of cult is a, an amount of order. Like, exactly. he's not trying to exactly. encourage freedom, but he's in it for himself, which selfishness tends to line up more with evil. So, yeah, I'm with you. Neutral evil is kind of where I was going. Okay. So the one other thing I want to mention then is the we do have to sort of stick with a little bit with the conceit that this character is going to be part of an adventuring party, um, even if only for a one shot for the end of the series. Um, so whatever alignment we end up giving them, we have to still make them play nice with others at well, least. So one of the misconceptions about evil is that they don't necessarily play nice with others. Evil, typically, especially in D anD D, is selfish, um, and so the way that can tend, tend can tend to line up is that uh, their time with the party is meeting an end. And so they're not going to turn against the party because they can trust the party or at least trust them not to like to participate in this and that it's actively against their own interest to like throw them under. Now, there might come a point where that's not true, um, but for usually the, the, the maintainer, they're not going to be the person that's just stabbing him in the back and stealing. Like That's 
stupid, not evil. Mm-hmm. I, I agree absolutely with Tom. I'm, I'm seeing him as he would view a party as an ally of convenience. Resources. Um, resources. Yeah. And he's not foolish enough to you know betray them at the first opportunity because he, he recognizes the value of a long term investment. We all work together. He gets what he wants. He doesn't care if they get what they want, but he's not opposed to it either. Yeah, like if the party is going to what he might be might be one of his temples, he needs them to get through the traps to help carry the loot out to fight whatever potential monsters are there because he knows his great old one master has great old one servants or enemies too. So even if they run into other aberrations, they may not be friendly to him. Yeah, like the his his patron might not even know or care about sort of his quest because it's doing its own inscrutable great yeah. old one things. So it's given him this task, not really caring whether or not he completes it. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, the, the the very least for him is like, yeah, he's evil, but he's not against the party. The party's a means to an end. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you've seen him as kind of like he hates the this group for kind of like putting him and his people in this bad place. But it's it's less like I'm going to just tear down that whole organization. It's more like, well. If I can get to that strata, I won't need to. Like, I hate them, but I I like what they represent. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. I see it. Like he he wants to you know burn the whole system down and build a, a new world order with himself on top. And yes, he absolutely wants the money and the power and the temples and the the mansions. He's not opposed to wealth. He just hates the people who currently have it. Okay. Uh, so we're thinking neutral evil as our yeah. That's where uh, I'm alignment. Leaning. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning with kind of especially the 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 kind of cult leader aspect. Okay, cool. Do we have a race for this character yet, or a species? I think I was picturing him as human or half-elf, but I'm kind of open. I mean, I've had a a penchant for tieflings, and they merge well with warlocks just on a mechanical level, but... um, what about you, Chris? I was originally thinking human, but then when you said half elf, I think that's a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, because elves are traditionally uh, viewed as one of the uh, more noble races, mm-hmm. so I like I like the idea of um, a half elf who's sort of been driven away from the natural inclinations of his heritage by tragedy, by prejudice, by you know he's been twisted by it. Uh, would this? I, mean, I know D and D has shifted on this over time. Would this be a world that looks on elves or half elves as half breeds? You know, kind of not really a child of both, but of neither type of thing. Or is this the more accepting? So because that could factor into his upbringing and personality. We generally kind of w- build these characters in sort of a, a generic D and D sort of setting. We're not like a particular like Ravenloft through Greyhawk yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that. So if we want to say that in our particular version. Uh, half half elves are kind of caught between two worlds, not really at home in either. Uh, that would certainly be fitting. Yeah, I mean it's 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 kind of classical D anD D, and I think if, especially for a character that has a chip on his shoulder, making him a half elf and having that be a component kind of helps with that characterization. Okay, I'm into it. I like that idea too, and I like the idea that his his elven grace and beauty would contribute to his success as a cult leader. He's a good looking guy. He's smooth. Mm. He's graceful. Since we're on the Warlock Pact, and you might not be able to help as much with this unless we have to explain it. Um, the specific pact he's going for. Pact yes. of the Tome, Pact of the Blade, or Pact of the Chain. Basically, one gives him a magical sword he can summon, one gives him a kind of a fairly powerful familiar, uh, and the third gives him a magical book. Um, the book allows him to cast, well, could allow him to cast ritual magic. It gives him access to more spells. It tends to be a bit more tied to, like, 
knowledge and increasing their uh, relative spellcasting abilities. Um, the Pact of the Blade makes them a bit more of a fighter. Pact of the Tome, a bit more of a caster, straight up. I mean, they're a caster, but they're more focused. Uh, not done too much with Pact of the Chain, but I mean, I guess you probably straddle that line. You get a little bit more attack, but you're not expected to be kind of in the thick of things as the Pact of the Blade would have you be. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I have a strong sense of it. Uh, so we picked our Pact at level one, is that correct? With Warlocks? I think you pick it at level one, oh, but no, I think but like a lot of things, it doesn't really manifest till three. Yeah, the boon doesn't kick in till three. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then do we, is there any in Xanthar's? That there we want, are. We, that we might want to take a look at. So just off my very, very quick reading of these rules for the first time, I, I think Pact of the Tome or Pact of the, of the Chain would be my my initial leaning i, I kind of like the idea of this guy being able to summon a familiar that he sees as maybe like a guide that his patron has has given him whether or not it actually is um kind of like the role of the violator in the spawn comics you know just sort of like an okay. imp that shows up and eggs him along or keeps him on the path so i kind of like that idea i also like the idea of him having just this book the pact of the tome and um using the the additional spells for things like manipulation uh like charm or um cantrips uh i don't know if cantrip is still a distinct spell or is it a class of spell uh it's a it's the name for zero level spells okay so i mean what what you're thinking of has become precedititation okay yeah so things to bamboozle the yokels with Mm -hmm. you know so back to the blade might actually work mechanically because if this character is going to be physically strong from his time working in the mines then um using the blade having would benefit potentially from having high strength or higher strength than typical warlock i believe okay you know i kind of like the idea of him having a, a muscular build but not necessarily being a melee based okay class well so, okay that brings up an interesting thing in terms of strength versus maybe con because um for as much as like working in a mine is about strength it's also about endurance sure so you could say that he doesn't have high strength but he has a higher con which would maybe reflect just being hardier like he would still have some muscles but they're not going to have as much like oomph behind him yeah he's not he doesn't have like a gym body he's got that just general thickness that comes from hard manual labor the other thing i was thinking if we go back to the chain it could actually be kind of a cruel irony because you know he's been a worker or servant the whole time ah. and now that he's got a little bit of power the first thing he does is bind some outsider to his own will i like that idea i like the irony of that very rod serling so what would the familiar be are there additional familiar options in uh pack to the chains actually kind of gives you a yeah i see we got oh, yeah we have an imp a pseudo dragon a quasit or a sprite i have no idea what a quasit is but i like the idea of an imp it's another little, like, infernal thing, if I remember correctly. Because the Great Old One's nature is inscrutable. Any familiar form is suitable for it. I like that it could be, you know, an imp or a, a pseudo-dragon, but there's just some, something off about it, like one too many fingers or... Yeah, I do like so, that. So on that note, in Xanathar's, which doesn't have to necessarily be our plus one, they make a mention for warlocks of what's called a binding mark. So some patrons that make a habit of and often enjoy marking the warlocks under their sway in some fashion. So without going through the rest of it, uh, some of the suggest- suggested binding marks. One of your eyes looks the same as one of your patron's eyes. Each time you wake up, the small blemish in your face appears in a different place, which actually just sounds kind of funny because that was uh, Robin Hood Men and Tights did that. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you display outward symptoms of a disease, but suffer no ill effects. Your tongue is an unnatural color. You have a vestigial tail, and your nose glows in the dark. I mean, especially a great old one, like, I mean, the, the easy one is to make them kind of deep one fishy looking, but some kind of mark, especially you know, a sign of corruption. I mean, I, not I really, something that would, like, turn people off necessarily, but, like, marks them differently. The one weird eye really, I think, is my favorite in that list. Yeah. I, I can go I can go along with that. My favorite was the tongue being a different color, especially this guy's kind of an orator. It seems to fit with that, but I think either one, I can go either way. I kind of leaned on the eye one, too. Let's go with the eye, then. And going back to what John was saying about having a familiar that's just a little bit off, I, I was thinking, what about a pseudo-dragon, which is traditionally very uh, pretty, very an attractive creature, but the colors are a little off-putting? Like puke green instead of like emerald green? No, like in a really subtle way that people can't explain. Like when they first see it, they go, oh, a, a fairy, a pseudo-dragon, awesome. And then as they're looking at it, just, mm, I don't know, there, there's something about this particular one that I don't really like. I, I have a headache now or... Yeah, maybe it's something about the way it moves. Something about the way it moves. Something really subtle, but that is off-putting and disturbing to people when they stop to consider it for any length of time. Basically, it's in the uncanny valley. Yeah, exactly. It, it exactly. looks really close, but you just, there's something off, and you can't figure out what it is. Precisely. All right, so let's knock some stats out here real quick. We have strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. So we always use the standard array, which is a 15, a 14, a 13, a 12, a 10, and an 8 to distribute amongst those six abilities. Uh, 15 and charisma. Okay. Uh, I mean, that fits both as just like the the main class stat, but also if he's going to be leaning towards being a cult of personality, he's going to need a high charisma. I okay. agree, yeah. And then if we're going for the worker, um, I lean more towards putting it in his con. I like um, that idea. He's He's more durable and able to kind of endure than he is necessarily strong. Okay, I'm into it. Uh, so we've got the high end, the 15 and the 14, 15 charisma, 14 constitution. Where do we want to put this eight? You know, I kind of, I, I was listening to the earlier It Builds Character podcast, and I noticed that we had a lot of kind of like high intelligence and, and low wisdom uh, that seemed to be a recurring theme. I think the reverse here would actually work really well. He's an uneducated guy. He's entirely self-taught um, just from his few, you know, he's like a... He's good like a preacher on a street corner with a sandwich board and a, and a megaphone, you know, so um, he's making it up as he goes along largely. So I would say low intelligence, but better than average wisdom. Like he's got street smarts. He's got common sense. He knows what works and what doesn't. I like that because it plays into insight. He's good at reading people and he's good at convincing people of things. But like that helps to hide that he's kind of dumb. Yeah, okay. he's more of a con man. And he puts on a good show, but he's not actually an educated person. So we're thinking the eight in intelligence and the twelve or thirteen in wisdom. I I kind of like the I think the twelve in yeah. in wisdom, and then the thirteen for for strength would make sense. I mean, yeah, it's a he, workout. Yeah, he's not he's not as strong as he is durable, but he still wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, you swing a mattock all day long, you're gonna you're gonna build some mass. Mm -hmm. All right, so that gives us, and then the ten goes in dexterity because that's our last place for our last number. So 12 strength, 10 dex, 14 con, 8. Oh, actually, hold on. We have some uh, racial modifiers to adjust into these. So some of these might get bumped up a little bit. Uh, charisma goes up by 2, and two other ability scores increase by 1. And we get to just pick the other two. So maybe wisdom and dexterity? Gives I bring us the a, dex to 11, uh, wisdom to was it 13? Yeah, that put the wisdom at 14. I put the wisdom at 12. Oh. Uh, I put the 13 there, but we can... Oh, no, no, it's fine. I just thought that's what it was. No, I'm good with that. 
Okay, 14 then? Yeah, uh, that sounds good to me. And that way we can bump the decks up, maybe at level 4, get a little more armor class going. Mm-hmm. So 12 strength, 11 dexterity, 14 con, 8 intelligence, 14 wisdom, and 17 charisma. I think this is the first character we have to break a, to have a 17 ability score. <laughs> so let's figure out our background real quick so we can get a couple of uh, proficiencies, and then we'll start selecting our... Also keep in mind, uh, half-elves get two free proficiencies. Wow, all right. Yeah, no, they, they get a nice little slew of abilities. So initially, I was leaning folk hero. I think it still kind of fits, just in the idea that like that's part of maybe how he's built up his uh, reputation as a man of the people. Just reading the names of the archetypes, I'm kind of drawn to charlatan. That also works. Yeah, maybe he was kind of running running cons and stuff. That's why he tries to barter with games of chance or thumb wrestlings or small challenges, because uh, he knows he's fairly strong and uh, very clever. Not clever, but cunning. slick. Yeah, cunning. And so he's able to kind of pull a fast one. So it's a habit from when you didn't have a lot, you're you know, dicing for an extra set of rations or something like that. And I think he enjoys the thought of just getting one over on someone anytime he can. That's mm-hmm. his that's his drug of choice is being able to trick someone or manipulate them or Yeah, I think Charlatan actually works pretty well then. Uh Tom, what do you think? Oh yeah, no. The the folk here I think was earlier on in the discussions my mind kinda linked into that being a good possible one, but I think especially for where he's going, it fits his personality a lot. So we're gonna get deception and sleight of hand from that. Plus disguise kit and forgery kit tool proficiencies. I love that idea. I love the the idea of this guy having a disguise kit and like sneaking into a town after he's already been driven out by the local magistrate for corrupting their youth. So I guess since we're on this, uh, personality traits, just kind of looking at the suggested list, I like flattery is my preferred trick for getting what I want, kind of in that smooth talker category. Absolutely. Um, 100% on board. I'm somewhere between also uh, sarcasm and insults are my weapons of choice. I veer away from that one just because, I don't know, he's kind of stupid. But I like the idea of I keep multiple holy symbols on me and invoke whatever DD might come in useful at any given moment. Because, like, he worships a great old one. I doubt he's advertising that. Unless, I mean, like, he's trying to build a cult, but mostly around himself. Not, like, Dagon, specifically. Mm-hmm. And so, especially as the charlatan, like, maybe depending, he switches depending on what what he's doing, but he might kind of be like, oh, of course, it's Corlon. Or... Helm. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what? I I, li- I liked the flattery one at first, but the more I think about it, I like where Tom was going with that, where with the I keep multiple holy symbols on me and invoke whatever day. Well, you can pick two. Oh, you can pick two? I'd say go with both of those then. I, I like him being a smooth talker, and I like him pr- starting off seeming to be innocent by pretending to represent whichever deity happens to have widespread acceptance, and then as... He go as things go along. Once people start to fall more under his sway, that's when he starts kind of letting his true colors show. Uh, I mean, real cult leaders, you know, always start off seemingly innocuous, and then it's a, once you're on the compound, then all of a sudden, you know, God wants you to send all Zenu your virgin daughters out. to his house. Or yeah, exactly. So for ideal, if we want to go from the ones in the book, I'm determined to make something of myself. This seems like it can be kind of interpreted in a very twisted. Sense. Yes, it, it works the most out of all of those. I mean, yeah, he's absolutely. not going to have fairness, charity, maybe creativity, but and most of the other ideals don't really fit him. No, th- th- I think yeah, absolutely. Aspiration is the way to go. This guy would be in Slytherin. So for Bond, 
Oh, number five. A powerful person killed someone I love. Someday soon I'll have my revenge. I mean, that's pretty much what we were already describing. All right. Perfect. Sorry, I kind of cut you off on that one. No, I love it. So besides Frightened of Bandits, do we have any other flaws we want to give this guy? Kind of like, I can't resist swindling people who are more powerful than me. I was just going to say that. that like that, landed right on that. Yeah, that, that seems the most of any of the other flaws like uh, our guy. He kind of overreaches, over, overplays his hand when things are going well. He likes the challenge. And he, and he just loves conning people out of stuff, especially like some rich, powerful person. Oh, yeah. And it's not, I don't think it's out of any noble goal. They just have the best stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. All, all the goals for it are selfish. It, it, it's, it's, hey, I got that guy. Hey, you know, I, I pulled this off. Yeah, hey, or I just a big nice middle thing. finger to people that he thinks have more than, than he does. So if he can, if he can seduce the, uh, the local magistrate's daughter into running off with him to be his girlfriend, he's, he's all about it just to... You know, give a thumb in the eye to her daddy. All right. So let's go ahead and take a look at some of the class stuff real quick. Uh, so we get some proficiencies and we have two skills to choose from from Warlock. So Arcana, Deception, History, Intimidation, Investigation, Nature, and Religion. Back on 107. Deception. Uh, we actually get Deception from... Uh, Take it twice. Okay. <laughs> Double up. You can uh, never that, deceive too much. That gives us expertise, right? If we take it twice. I don't think that works that way. <laughs> um, You're the DM, John. You can make it go that way. <laughs> I like intimidation, probably investigation, unless we want to go religion so we can kind of make use of those holy symbols he's been hoarding. Yeah, uh, religion was where I was leaning just because the more you know about like the things you're going to lie about, mm -hmm. granted his intelligence is also low, so he could use some help there. Yeah, he's probably at least would have had to pick up some about the religions he's kind of trying to use in his schemes. I don't see him being above intimidation when he needs to be either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of that like the the smile can turn into a a glower at a moment's notice when he's dealing with somebody. Yeah, and then he, like it, th that may be when he starts wheel, uh, whipping out like the warlock powers a little bit more to get his way, like just crackling the eldritch blast in his hand uh, to kind of scare somebody. Oh, he's definitely not above using intimidation yeah. tactics. And also keep in mind, we still have two floating proficiencies to pick from anything. Yeah, so we've got disguise, sleight of hand, religion, and intimidation so far. What are we thinking for those other two out of any of the list? Did did we nail deception? Yeah. We, yes, we, yeah, we, we, was, we got that, that from being a charlatan. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't think we have persuasion. Uh, I think he would also have that. Yeah, just do the charismatic trifecta. Might as well, I mean, as a charlatan, each plays their own role. Certainly. This is where I have to defer to your superior knowledge and experience with the Persuasion system. is diplomacy. Okay. It's, so, like, I mean, deception is lying, uh, actively lying to someone. Persuasion is just trying to talk them into it. Okay. So, like, you're not necessarily saying anything false, but you're just kind of like, hey, come on. I like both of those things. What about performance? I mean, if he's up normally up on stage, like, speaking to crowds, kind of a showman... I'm I'm seeing him as kind of like um, Sammy Davis Jr.'s character from Sweet Charity, which I'm sure no one listening is familiar with. But he's a, he's a sleazy street preacher type, and he goes around at night and he gathers up people who look a little lost or drunk or whatever, and he tells them to come to his church, which is underneath a bridge. And then when they're down there, he gives a big sermon, and he's you know kind of jumping around and singing and dancing, uh, real, a real kind of holy roller type situation. And then they give him all their money. All right, I'm convinced. Okay. Um, okay. Alrighty. So, for weaponry and equipment, start with 
we get a light crossbow with 20 bolts or any simple weapon. Uh, so simple weapons would be things like clubs or staves. Kind of like light hammer coming from the the mining background. Or is, is a pickaxe an option? Like a mattock? Uh, we could probably use like a, you know, mace equivalent and just sort of flavor it as a, a pickaxe. Okay. Like there's a war pick, but that's like built for combat. This doesn't really seem like that, like a repurposed tool. Yeah, I see it as something like he picked up and he's just kind of had it with him all this time. It was it was what was on hand at the time and now he's just attached to it. Maybe it's even a symbol that he uses. You know, I think there might be some aspect of trying to kind of put that life behind him. So maybe he doesn't use the mining tool. He's trying oh, to like okay, good point. escape that history. So maybe something more like the... I, I like that better. Maybe something elegant. Like a quarterstaff that's also like a fancy walking stick. Okay, I like that. I don't know why. I was just looking at sickle. It's kind of an uncommon weapon, but it is cruel. But I don't know if, if that's too obvious for him. What, what I like little... about the sickle is that you could you can play it off at first, like, oh, I'm a farmer. This is my sickle that I just have. But there's also something kind of sinister about it, the way it looks like a talon. So yeah, that's kind of where I was leaning. Levels. Like it, it's there's an element of it being a weapon of the people, um, which you know it, he can use to kind of play off like the those kind of rustic roots even though like they aren't his which also fits the charlatan aspect right, he's adopted it because it makes more more palatable to the people he's trying to hoodwink but then it's just kind of a wicked looking weapon when he wants to wield it i, I really i like that a lot excellent all right for magic for his spells does he have a component pouch or an arcane focus so an arcane focus is like a medallion or some sort of emblem you focus your powers through a component pouch is kind of the way that you expect used to cast spells in sort of DD classic like a pinch of sulfur and a bit of uh, bat guano for fireball or something. I, with him, I guess I lean more towards the focus, basically with the idea that um, it adds more mi- mystery to what he's doing. Because uh, people can kind of wrap around like, you know, you pull out this little stuff, but like, he just does it. Like, mm-hmm. Maybe he says a few words, but he's not like rooting around to a pouch. He just holds out like an item and you know, maybe the item is some kind of fetish or weird, you know, object that like lends like a, an air of mystery to what he's doing as opposed to... And I like the pouch you're doing like a mechanical wizard, but like with the, like especially like a warlock and you're trying to put a show behind it, the focus just seems kind of more. Maybe some sort of twisted like wand. I was thinking like, oh yeah, wand is cool. I was thinking like an amulet that it's made of some kind of unrecognizable metal and it never has the same like sigil on it. Like the glyph is always changing when no one's looking at it. Oh, I like that. I was uh, kind of thinking that maybe on his initial meeting with the old one in that in that temple in the mine, um, the old one guided him to a chest that was in there, and he opened it up, and inside was some kind of piece of really fancy jewelry, maybe a ring or a circlet or an amulet, like you were saying. Maybe there's a gemstone that changes color. Maybe it's so. Maybe it's a combination of both. So he got uh, he got the amulet from the temple, and so it's a bit of both. It's always it always has a gemstone. And it's always some kind of sigil, but like it always shifts. Like the gemstone's a different color. It's in a different location, you know, and it's always kind of in a different shape. But like people don't always a different notice. cut. But you yeah. have to be looking really closely to notice. Yeah, it's just everything's always slightly off and different, and just like if, if you give it enough time, it's completely different configuration. But it's always kind of like imperceptibly moving. And if you stare into the jeps the depths of the gem for too long it, it starts back. like it's yeah it stares <laughs> back it becomes unsettling twisty you don't like it but you don't know why okay so we get a scholar's pack or a dungeoneer's pack and that's just basically kind of like your they each come with a, a handful of gear um if, if sort he, of themed if he's a guy that's, that's specifically trying to do like spelunking for these temples dungeoneers i'd say that's exactly what i was thinking 
Like an evil Indiana Jones. I, I had the Indiana Jones thing early on, too. I was just trying not to say it. <laughs> All right. So then we get leather armor. We get another simple weapon and we get two daggers. I, I, I kind of want to go with a light hammer just to have the hammer and sickle thing. But is that a little too on the nose? It is now that you pointed it out. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, in the universe, it's not, I guess, because that wouldn't exist for them. Just really bringing the whole bringing home the whole Che Guevara thing. Well, what do you think on that one, John? I'm not against it. I kind of like a second sickle. Oh, I'm also not against that either. I'm not against that at all. I like that idea of this guy like doing the dramatic anime okay. run with like his arms out to either side and a sickle in each hand. So, w- with the double sickles, this leads into a sort of a reference to me. But would he ever pick up the nickname Reaper for wielding two sickles in combat? I don't think he actually does wield two symbols in combat. I think he just kind of has them for. But even just like dramatic. I mean, you know, I mean, like Atticus did that basically because he always had hand axes he never used. But I mean, he'd still be known for having them. I guess this is more the question. Sure. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it, it, I think the question's there if he's wielding two sickles. What if he has like a dual life? Like, in, you know, most of the time he's running around, he's running cons, he's trying to gather followers, he's trying to milk them for all their money. But sometimes he just needs to like vent. He's got like this cathartic rage. So he just sneaks out and like murders someone who who he feels wronged him and so everywhere he goes suddenly rumors of uh, a character called the reaper who's been striking at night start popping up and yeah secret life is a serial like killer. a secret life is a serial <laughs> killer and he's like oh my gosh that sounds terrible you should come to my church you'd be safe there it's interesting we don't really have him mechanically set up to be an effective serial killer and he's not particularly smart or stealthy so those are usually kind of the two things that a successful serial killer. I'm needs. seeing him like pop out of a bush and you know <laughs> grabbing some drunk guy on his way home and just going to town. But that's just an idea I threw off the, off the top of my head. I think it sort of goes against his main like concept. Like he's trying to get power and privilege and station through like cult of personality and the acquisition of ancient artifacts. He wouldn't risk it for something. Yeah, it's just kind of like that. He also is a serial killer it seems a little kitchen it's yeah it's it's a bit too much yeah but i do like the idea of two sickles we can also just give him a short bow i mean no he didn't need it he had spe- he has spells yeah he'll never use it eldritch blast man mm-hmm. yeah let's give him two sickles and move on to grabbing some spells he and can that- dramatically cross them in front of his chest yeah, when he wants to be I think, you know, theatrical he can, he can use them as part of his like you might have them while giving a speech and kind of just as to cut an imposing figure, but it doesn't really, they don't ever, are, they're hardly ever used. Right. Only as a last resort. Mm-hmm. So actually what kind of level spells we get? Not very high. Um, okay. So we know four spells total, probably one of which is level two, one of which, and Remember, you can also uh, warlocks can switch spells out at level up one okay. one per level up. Um, I mean, no matter what, they should have hex. Uh, so yeah, we'll pick both the cantrips, and then we'll pick one level one spell and one level two spell, and you can fill in the blanks if you decide to play this character yourself. So eldritch blast for one of them. Alrighty. It's just there's too many warlock abilities dependent on it. Told that it is pretty badass, but if you already have eldritch blast, you kind of doubling up on your level zero attack spells yeah i would tend to lean the other one being something more something else less attack i find it hard to dodge prestidigitation when it's, it's available useful. to you yeah it's always useful and we were already talking about using that as to kind of little shows for the common folk impress the rubes also if he's going to be uh clean it's usually uh, it's useful for cleaning yourself 
I see him as being like a dandy. So yeah, he would be clean all the time. I think I think he feel like he's almost like a caricature of a dandy because he, he he's from the outside there. Yes. So he's trying to think like what he's would, what he's what a commoner thinks a dandy is. Yes. So very fan like his clothes are a very fancy cut, but they're too too much jewelry. Um, it, it's like a shark skin suit. You know, it's it's what someone with no taste thinks is is classy. All right. So let's get one level one spell. And you said hex is pretty My much. My apologies to any listeners who own shark skin suits. Yeah. Um. Because especially with the combo with Eldritch Blast, uh, it gives it a little bit of extra damage. Plus, just like for down the line building in terms of options, there are a lot of invocations for the Warlock that kind of tie in, uh, tie into hexes. Plus, if you're if you're trying to like talk your way past a you know guard or something like that, you can hex them first and then hex, yeah, hex the charisma, and then you try to talk to them and oh no, disadvantage on your charisma check. Perfect. Yeah, it, it, there's too many benefits for especially for even this build to not use hex. So let's grab a cool level two spell. All right. So, in Xanathar's, we have Earthbind, Mind Spike, and Shadow Blade. I like the name Mind Spike. What does it do? Moving towards it? Mean one saying. You sneak behind them with an ice pick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm down with this. Uh, you reach into the mind of one creature you can see within range. The target must make a wisdom saving throw, taking 3d8 psychic damage on a failed save, or half as much on a successful successful. On a failed save, you, can, uh, you all always know the target's location until the spell ends, but only while the two of you are in the same plane of existence. While you have this target, this knowledge, the target can't become hidden from you, and if it's invisible, it gains no benefit for that condition against you. Interesting. A little, like, psychic knife. Yeah. I'm into it. I like it. Yeah, I like him. the idea of him being able to give you the evil eye to people who've displeased him. And that's Mind Spike? Mind Spike. Page 162 in Xanathar's, if you want to note that. Cool. All right. So that is pretty yeah. much all the mechanical stuff. Do you want to look at any of the invocations for the Warlock? Do we get them already? Yeah, you should have two. Oh. Because you're just leaving class options on the table otherwise. Oh, okay. So the way it was written in the book, it's like Eldritch Invocation. I thought it was just like you get them, but I didn't realize you have to choose them. Yeah, so... Uh, they're basically like additional class abilities you choose kind of like you can switch them out at level up too. there's a lot of modularity to warlocks you don't need beguiling influence because you already have those I like armor of shadows yeah it's helpful and dramatic basically it allows you to cast mage armor at will alright sounds good I've never seen a warlock this is more suited to mask of many faces you can cast disguise self at will without expending a spell slot okay Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. I just figure this guy probably has enough situations where he suddenly kind of has to not be himself for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like it. This character is definitely uh, like the face, like a face man for the party. All right. Yeah, I like the mask of many faces. So now I think we're done mechanically. I can't think of anything else. So we just need a little bit of fluff here. Let's uh, get a name before we go any further. In keeping with his, he's, he's lowborn, aping the the noble so i would think something that sounds very impressive but is maybe over the top like aloysius or something that he thinks sounds fancy but i'm not against that i'm just thinking you know i i'm i'm liking alistair that's that's just <laughs> <laughs> i love the sinister connotations of alistair as well exactly I was, it it sounds it's a combination of fancy and sinister that's what i was going for all right uh does he have like a house name or a last name or anything like that? Or just one name like Cher? 
I think more less house name and more like a like a, t- a title Alistair the something or or if it is a last name it's more of a descriptive one like Alistair Darkwood which when I use that it's very similar to my last warlock's name they're just an example no so I, I like Alistair Darkwood though it sounds really good my last warlock's last name was Blackwood it was the fake name he went by I like Darkwood it's got sort of like a Ray oh, yeah, Bradbury yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I was just pointing at something that. wicked this way comes vibe to it oh no I wasn't suggesting switching I was just that was where that came from was I had a so no, I, I was just complimenting your your <laughs> choice of Darkwood. I thought it was good. What if we did deep something like because his powers were in like a hidden underground temple? Okay. Um, what about deep wood? Because that kind of <laughs> that kind of that kind of like invokes you know dark secret forgotten places. That's where my mind, my mind went to when you suggested that actually. Okay. Well, yeah. Also, a little less ominous sounding. A L- little bit less. Yeah. All right, so Alistair Deepwood, uh, he's a half-elf. What does he look like? Like, we got eye color, skin color, hair color, general build. I mean, with general build, I think we were talking about he's kind of stocky, muscular, at the very least. Um, this may just be the warlock thing. I imagine him with, like, dark black hair, or at least dark brown, uh, just darker features overall. I was seeing him as maybe with, like, bronze-colored skin, but, like, a very attractive guy. Yeah, and I'm seeing him with very elaborate facial hair, like maybe a Van Dyke beard, uh, curled mustaches, you know, a very well coiffed hair. I guess uh, as we've talked about more, like I, I agree with the the facial hair, and not that the the hair is not well coiffed, but more like um, I think maybe it's that that idea I had of it being wet, but it's still, it's always more slick and straight, okay. kind of like slicked right slicked right back. Yeah, it, it, like maybe it's still kind of long, but it's always kind of like slicked back and maybe like it, it, it looks maybe like wet or gelled. Like it looks, it's maintained. You know, like he's doing a thing. I, I kind of like that. Yeah. Like the idea that it's like it always looks like it's gelled. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, he's got like really fa- you know, ostentatious facial hair. Like everything's kind of oiled. Like his hair is oiled, his facial hair is oiled, and it's all combed into elaborate. I like that it's kind of oiled whether he wants it to be or not. Yes. Well, that was kind of, that, and that was more that, where yeah. I was leaning. Like, he seems perpetually kind of like oily or wet, and it's not intentional. <laughs> like, he just always kind of seems that way. I like that idea. All right, and then, oh, we have he's like one crazy eye and one regular eye. So, what's yeah. his regular eye look like? I, I always like green eyes for elves. Just kind of get that like verdant sort of emerald green. It's we'll a little with bit that. One okay, green eye. let's let's go with that. And then, what's the crazy one look like? I, I was thinking like green but more of like a model green and like something more akin to like uh not like fully like a snake but a more slit in that direction just kind of something like monstrous i was thinking something kind of irid like an iridescent iris like almost offensively so like a psychedelic you know mm-hmm. it, it's a different color all over the place like an oil slick on water with a weird shaped pupil like a square or like a goat where it's it's that weird little mm-hmm. hourglass shaped thing. Like wrestling. Like what? Wrestling? Yes. Well, not necessarily like Raceland. I I've always pronounced it Raceland. But um more animalistic. Like just something really bizarre. Or maybe even go really weird, make it like a triangle. Like mm-hmm. an like an octopus eye, like a kind of the sort of oblong people. That that would work. Yeah, no, I'm good with that. Oh, here we go. Uh that cuttlefish eye in the top there? Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Let's okay. go with that. Yeah. That's wild. All right. So one eye is emerald green, regular human-looking eye. The other one is a crazy cuttlefish eye. 
that will be on the Twitter post accompanying this uh, release. All right, so if we're not missing anything, I think that's pretty much Alistair Deepwood there. I want to play this character. This would be a fun character. Oh, well, I'm glad you mentioned that because in just a few weeks, uh, we're going to be doing our like series and wrap-up uh, one-shot adventure. So if you would like to return and maybe play Alistair Deepwood or perhaps one of the other characters we made this season or this series. I will definitely look into it. It all comes down to child care issue with me. But uh, yeah, if I can make that happen, definitely. All right. So Alistair Deepwood is our neutral evil, a first for it builds character, a half elf warlock. His patron is a great old one uh, whose true nature is mysterious and eldritch, you know, part for the course for great old ones. He was a minor uh, like a subservient miner prior to his adventuring days. And when the camp was once again attacked by bandits, he fled in the depths of the mine where one of the caverns uh, flooded due to the activity. And while everyone else was drowned, he washed up in a sunken temple and discovered his amulet, which created the pact with his patron. I just had a thought for a suggested character trait, which fits like with his charisma intelligence combo. He misuses big words. <laughs> Yes, oh, absolutely. I like that. Yeah. Like he's always trying to sound smart, but he doesn't know what they mean. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, he walks with a confident John Wayne-esque gait. And even though he now has a not small amount of arcane eldritch power behind him, he still has a fear of bandits. They've plagued him enough of his life where uh, he would never willingly go into combat with them. Uh, he tries to barter with merchants by using games of chance and thumb wrestling or other tiny challenges. Uh, basically, a habit picked up in his time at the mine where you didn't really have anything to barter with other than little things you had. So, dicing or... He tries not to pay. Yeah. Or at least pay as little as possible. And his quest has made him somewhat of an archaeologist. He's seeking out new lost cities, treasures, and temples as part of some not fully understood mission from his patron, the true nature of which is not yet known to him. And he's got a focus on kind of charismatic deception. He's a bit of a con man and will work with the other players as long as their, their ends kind of coalesce. So that's pretty much going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Uh, Tom, anything you want to say to our listeners before we uh, close out here? I'm good. All right. Sounds great. And Chris? I've had a great time. Thanks for having me. Oh, it was our pleasure. Thanks for being on here. And before we go, I just want to say that, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Die by the Dice. You can email us anything longer form, die by the dice at gmail.com. And we now have a Patreon up. So die by the dice, patreon.com slash die by the dice. Give us your money. I mean, yes, but That's something Alistair Deepwood would say, isn't it? Uh, if you enjoy the show and you want to hear more of it and you want to help make the show better, and that'd be a great place to do it. Uh, patreon.com slash die by the dice. Until next time, we will see you.